What is up, everyone? Thanks for listening to the R4 Podcast, a podcast about reading, running, relationships, and reinvesting. I'm super excited about today's guest, but before we get into that, let's jump into the Rooney recap. So, what's been going on with us? Um, you know, we're, we're in Iowa, we're southwest Iowa, and it has been extremely hot um, the last week and the week prior to this. Uh, I was down in Fort Riley, Kansas, went down to do some army training, uh, and I believe while we were down there, I think Manhattan, Kansas might have broke the record for the warmest temp ever recorded, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. It was miserably hot. Um, fortunately, we had a lot of a time to, to duck inside and, and get out of the heat, but yeah, it's been a hot one. It's been a hot one everywhere. Um, so apart from that, a little bit of army training, a little bit of working on the house still, uh, migrated the gym from the garage down to the basement, and also during this time, I finished Tim Kennedy's book, Scars and Stripes, and like I talked about on Instagram, I will owe you guys a book review. So, if you're interested in any of the books that I talk about um, on Instagram, you can find them on Linktree. There's links to all of them, and uh, you know what? I'm, I'm excited about the guests that we have coming on. Uh, somebody that I've known for for quite a while we've crossed paths a few times um especially regarding like fitness kind of stuff and uh i'm super excited to bring him on so let's get into it everyone thanks for listening to the r4 podcast podcast about reading running relationships and reinvesting um today i have another guest special guest in my opinion he's a local guy and, uh, you know, I, I love to support local people and, and talk to them and, and reach out to them. He's also into fitness. He's a family guy. He's a father. And he gives back to his community. So, obviously, a great candidate to come on the uh, R4 podcast. Drew Gooden, owner of CrossFit Council Bluffs. How's it going? Right on, man. Thank you for that intro. I appreciate it. Dude, thanks a lot for uh, doing the podcast. Uh Super appreciate it, and I'm going to pick your brain on something here real quick just to see if you remember. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to run it back. Like I think it, probably, it had to have been 2019. I think okay. we, did a, we did an interview that was written. It wasn't podcast. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that man. was uh, been a while. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, that was a few years ago. I just came back from uh, deployment number two, did a little startup thing, and uh, – you know, that, that didn't pan out, which I'm not sad about. So I, I had some <laughs> grand ideas, me and another guy. And uh, it kind of just petered up, but it's not a big yeah. deal. So that's how. Yeah, right. Well, that's the, that's the thing. You, you've got to try stuff to know what you like and what works. So it will so not it'll the first just time be a piece of the that. puzzle, my man. It'll just be a piece. Yeah. You learn from it, you build on it. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, we're. We're going to try to touch all four topics here. Um, you know, reading for me, I was never a big reader when I was younger. Uh, never really started reading, probably until a couple of years ago. And for whatever reason, it stuck. <laughs> so so yeah. now I enjoy, I enjoy reading, um, especially things that are like investigative journalism or like personal development or have like some sort of... Uh, real context to it um nothing against non-fictional books i, yeah. I read those occasionally but uh yeah. i do it to stay sharp stay informed 
So what does Drew do in terms of uh, staying informed, you know, challenging your mind and, and working that mind muscle? Yeah, uh, good question. I was never a big reader uh, up until I was forced to um, in college, um, which was more of a shell shock experience. Anything else. But uh, in terms of uh, right now, just because of time, I do a lot of audible uh, books. Um, and it kind of varies through the topics. Um, obviously, I'm into fitness and health. Thank you. Peter Atti. Um, and, uh, like I, even this podcast has good health situations. Um, but right now, uh, I'm kind of floating back and forth between like fatherhood book, um, and then just some, and I never been in the military, um, but I like listening to military style books, uh, kind of develops mindset, um, expresses discipline um, and I just like to kind of be in the imagination of what what those guys went through whether it be um, in recent times um, Afghanistan Iraq um, or even more past related um, military experiences but yeah the most recent book uh, that I've been listening to um, is about fatherhood and it's a a, a Navy seal writing a book, and, and that's the title of the book raising men um, okay, yeah, I've heard I've heard of that one before. Yeah, really, really good. Uh, uh, just about um, creating plans, uh, creating a family can kind of hold themselves accountable to, and and kind of just resets um, my mindset as a parent, um, but also as a co-parent with not only my wife, but also you know she's got a an ex-husband with two kids, so uh, trying to get my mind in the right place to support the team to raise kids, um, which is a difficult task. Uh, anytime, anytime you're adding uh, dimensions to anything, whether it be uh, family or even business, the more people that are involved, the more complicated things get. And that's just because people so just keeps adding layers of complication. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. But uh in terms of reading books, like I got over COVID, uh, when I got shut down, uh, I really got into kind of like the history of, and so there are some his some some really cool history, uh, and not necessarily like written in history, but but people have written books uh, over a hundred years ago about similar things that like I'm doing right now, and, okay, and part of that is discouraging. Because in a, uh, it seems like we haven't really developed much, but it's also good to kind of like not uh, think you're original. Sure. Sometimes, like as a business owner, a sole business owner that uh, have, I'm kind of like creating my own thing. Pillars of uh, experience and methodology across it's one of those pillars. But it's good to kind of read something and be like, wow, that, that wasn't my idea, even though you thought it was and be kind of humbled <laughs> by the fact that you have so much more to learn. Um, but also it's very interesting. Like Bob Hoffman was a, uh, a really big American uh, fitness guy and he started York Barbell 
And yep. when I started to read his book, uh, it was to know that basically he was experiencing exactly what I'm experiencing, just on a different front. So about 100 years ago, it was more about obesity. Um, but during that time, you know, men were starting to go into factories, go into uh, more office-based jobs. And the trend yeah. was that, yeah, was that they were becoming inactive and weak. Um, and that book's called How to Be Strong, Healthy, and Happy by Bob Hoffman. Um, and that cool. actually stretched across the globe because there was another guy in England. Um, his last name uh, is Sanders. I can't I'm, I'm his name, but he was a strong sure. man. And that, and that was kind of the thing. Like 100 years ago, uh, it was more about strength. Bodybuilding had just kind of Olympic-style weightlifting. Um, and then there were strong, were kind of like showmen. They were like, uh, making money based on things that they could do in front of people. Um, but his biggest thing was that over a million men in England weren't capable or suited to make the army because they were physically unable. Uh, yeah. That is because they yeah, you know, you know, you say that yeah, that makes ahead. me think that that makes me think about how the uh, how the army recently changed their physical fitness test because it used to be a two mile run in order in this order it was push ups sit ups two mile run and yeah. the army had that fitness test literally forever. And then they switched it up about two, they officially switched it about two years ago. They did a pilot program before they officially converted it. That pilot program was about, I would say, probably five years, maybe more, maybe a little less. But uh, now it's much more functional fitness related. So yeah. like we're dragging a sled, you're doing, you're carrying kettlebells. Uh, you're doing different lateral movements and, and like sprint shuttles um, al along with some other stuff. And then of course the army loves to run two miles. So they put a two mile run after shuttle sprints, deadlifts um, and all, all these things that, you know, are going to work your, your quads and your lower back and then throw a two mile run on it. So anyways, yeah. where I'm going, where I'm going with that <laughs> is during the pilot program, of that, uh, for, for my detachment, for my, uh, my army unit, I'm kind of the one that spearheads the PT test. Usually I'm okay. usually the one conducting it and, and, and grading it, grading every final scores and stuff like that. And keep in mind, this is a testament to the army reserve, not necessarily the active component, um, where they're doing physical fitness training every day. The reserve component is full of people who are in, you know, information technology. So they're doing like IT stuff. Maybe they're in sales. Okay. Maybe they work remotely from home. So they have a lot of sedentary jobs. Uh, most of them or a good portion of them, you know. Yeah. But to your point, what you're talking about, you, you throw them on a deadlift bar with 180 pounds and man, they're, they're struggling to lift it. Yeah. And same thing with uh, 
with the kettlebells. I mean, I think they're like 40, they might be 45 pound kettlebells. I don't even really know how much they are. I, I use so many different weights on kettlebells. I don't even pay attention to what the PT test ones are, but, uh, you know, that the struggle with the, just carrying kettlebells, it's a farmer carry it's, they're not doing kettlebell snatches or, um, you know, any sort of complex movement, quick, uh, quick break for technical difficulties there. But anyways, as I was saying, a lot of guys, at least in the reserve side, um, you know, when they're not doing the PT every morning, like the active duty guys doing this new physical fitness test, um, it's, it's very challenging. The, the things like the kettlebells, the things like the deadlifts at one point, there was even a leg tuck event, which you're just hanging from a pull-up bar and all, all you need to do is pull your lower body up and pretty much touch your elbows to your knees. It's literally a leg tuck and you have an alternate grip. So it's not, you know, underhand, overhand, you have an alternating grip. So you should be able to pull yourself right up. And that event had so many, uh, issues across all of the components, huh. reserve, active, national guard that the army just scrapped it all together and did a plank instead of a one leg tuck it was one leg tuck that's all we had to do so this isn't this isn't you know your your typical or uh you know like the stereotype of someone being in the reserve at least where oh they're overweight they don't pass pt like not being able to do this there was plenty of people on the active component that couldn't do it and females were also um, statistically having troubles with it. So they scrapped it all together. But, you know, like you were saying, fitness has been around or like exercising, you know, doing functional things uh, has been around forever. And people have always been doing that. But the work environment changes. Right. Uh, so as that changes, people sit around a lot more. There's a lot more convenience. You know, you don't have to even go to the grocery store anymore you can have it delivered to your house you know essentially you could you could pretty much live off your couch that's kind of a scary thought in my opinion i could never do that but uh yeah yeah man i think uh a lot of that you know was a problem you know world war one uh and beyond and then in uh jfk actually had a really good implementation of a physical fitness program uh, that they, I, I believe it was an experiment of some kind. Um, where it was more like a military school. Sure. And went through a functional, basically a functional fitness program for their physical education. Um, and, it, you know, it was, or probably was perceived, if you look at it from the outside, as a more military-esque type scenario. But if you actually, like, looked at sport itself, I mean, it's pretty similar in terms of its structure, in terms of physical education, right? So you're you're going to be in lines, you're going to be doing the same thing at the same pace. It's about team building, camaraderie. Um, but at the <laughs> they're getting rid of, uh, you know, and they have been for a while, but it's even more so they're getting rid of recess at younger ages, um, yeah. and making sedentariness just a part of uh, a lifestyle. Um, and, you know, that's unfortunate. And I, I, what I really don't want to see is the Army uh, or our military uh, regress their physical standards based on failure 
but but would rather I would rather them see like adopt programs that will develop uh, the people that decide uh, to enlist. And it's kind of like I, I and I don't know how anyone else feels about this, but it's like if you can't make the cut physically, I don't think there should be like a like a, a participation card for those that need to sure need to protect our freedom. Um, and I was just, uh, I was actually just talking to a, a, a National Guard guy um, who just came back from uh, an officer school. And he said that they're actually thinking about getting rid of that uh, combat readiness test that you were describing earlier, uh, based on what you had also described as, as female failure rate. And man, I, I'm just like looking at that. I'm like, I don't know if that's, uh, that's the way we want to go. We want to we want to regress the standards so that more people can get in, but it's kind of like, man, how about we try to like build these people up, you know? Uh, and CrossFit, yeah. CrossFit, in a nutshell, not to be not to be biased, has kind of done that on a on a female perspective. Uh, men have always been interested in strength and 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 physical prowess. That's kind of in our nature. Um, but really, what I what I've been observing. Uh, through my 10 years inside the CrossFit space is that encouragement of physical readiness on the female perspective. Um, even for me, like, you know, I don't get to work out as much as I did five years ago, but um, I still, you know, I can't, I always joke with my members. I'm like, I'm still in the elite female division in terms of the support. <laughs> oh, like those gals, uh, even though they're not, uh, they wouldn't be as strong as like a professional male. They're still stronger than most men are in this country. And that, and that's absolutely, you know, that's like, okay, well you can do it. You just gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta figure out what, what's going to work in terms of the preparation for your job. Um, and you know, if you, if you go back and, and listen to Jocko's podcast with, um, um, Dave Castro, the director of the CrossFit Games. Yep. He talks about kind of like the readiness of the job uh, that, you know, related to special forces. So that's a little bit more specific. But at the same time, you know, I, I don't think it's uh, completely unnecessary to have that combat readiness test based upon deployment. Um, and keep it. Well, the, and the, the cool thing, you know, and I'm, I'm going to drop some, some CrossFit names. Uh, You've already brought up Dave Castro, uh, who I've followed Dave Castro online, at least, or through like the CrossFit um, community, I guess you could say, for a very long time. And I knew he was Navy SEAL. Um, also, I think that was one of the main reasons he was even brought into CrossFit in the first place was to take the programming similar to what they use in the seals and then, and then use that kind of in the CrossFit space. And I know there's more that goes into that um, in terms of not just, can you push yourself as hard as possible? Right. Cause CrossFit, there's, there's a lot of layers to it from uh, an outsider looking in. And I know you could certainly expand on this, but when people, I think people that aren't involved in functional fitness or maybe CrossFit, when they hear, you know, about doing CrossFit, they automatically think of CrossFit games and they're right. like, Oh geez, I'm never going to be able to do that. You know, <laughs> but, 
and it's not that way. So, I mean, CrossFit really does like to your point, it develops people into doing things they were never able to do physically, whether that's, you know, starting on a, on a pull-up bar with resistance bands until the point where you can do a pull-up and, and maybe now you can do a muscle up or something like that. So it's all about progression and it's not necessarily about competition, although that is pretty cool. But yeah. uh, the, the CrossFit's pretty cool. So I'm going to drop another name in here before we transition. We can we can really jump into the CrossFit stuff here in a second. But are you familiar with uh, Ben Bergeon? He's a CrossFit coach. Yeah, yeah. I I, uh, I followed Ben's stuff early on in my CrossFit uh, experience as like a mindset deal and kind of a programming um, situation. He was a really big competitive component to the CrossFit space, but also uh, definitely a coaching mindset slash kind of like that initial coach of CrossFit um, type of mentor from the outside. You know, I don't know Ben personally, but sure. I've yeah. read, I've read his book chasing excellence. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, I think a, a portion of the, it's been a while since I've read it, but a portion of that was about catcher and David's daughter, which I probably didn't pronounce her name. Right. But, uh, you know, like training her and training these other people into becoming like elite athletes, um, you know, and there's, there's a lot of testimonies and I do want to touch on, on some testimony stuff before the podcast is over, but you know, there, there's, there's coaches. It doesn't, ha it doesn't matter in my opinion, kind of like where you go, like there's someone willing to coach you. It seems like a really good community. And, you know, in terms of uh, the CrossFit gym, you know, I do want to jump into that because obviously you're, you're a gym owner. So what made you really get into that space of the business owner, gym owner? Um, what brought you there? Yeah. Well, that's a long story, Kevin. <laughs> I will kind of like try to synopsis kind of what, I don't know, my experience kind of led to that point. But I, you know, you had some questions as well that kind of related to kind of like where my fitness journey started. And I would say that like, it all started kind of with my dad. Uh, he's been in the fitness uh, equipment sales and maintenance industry basically my entire life. Oh, okay. So we always had like stuff at the house. And so uh, he was kind of like my initial uh, mentor. And everyone wants to be, every boy wants to be like their dad for the most part. So uh, seeing my dad's muscles and Arnold Schwarzenegger's encyclopedia of, of weightlifting in the closet um, and, and that kind of like inspired it, but it, but it also kind of like developed in like, I knew that physical prowess was going to be an important part of sport. And that's kind of where I spent most of my life. And I still kind of in that, in that light, um, in the CrossFit space, but, uh, just knowing that, you know, to get bigger, faster, stronger, I was going to need to lift weights, um, and do various things. Uh, you know, I noticed along the way that, uh, the gymnasts had the most athletic ability. Uh, they weren't necessarily the strongest, but like people who had a gymnastics background tended to be more spatially aware. Sure. Really admired. Um, and so I kind of like was like given us uh, like a, a snapshot on uh, one of the components inside a CrossFit program. And then I knew weightlifting was important. Uh, and, and my weightlifting at that time uh, consisted of more powerlifting, bodybuilding type stuff. 
um, which developed into Olympic style weightlifting, um, which is one of my one of my expertise, I would say at this point. Um, and then, you know, kind of looking back, uh, <laughs> there's photos of me and my sister doing headstands in the living room. Uh, I remember a workout that I did with a classmate getting ready for college uh, athletics. And it was like carry a punching bag, which weighed about 40 pounds up a flight of stairs, do some squats, run, you know, kind of mixing and matching components. And this is like prior to me even, at least to my knowledge, I didn't know anything about CrossFit. And CrossFit sure. hit the West Coast around 2002. And so the first gym was in 2008 um, and so I'd, in Omaha. And I, I just, looking back, it kind of was like made sense to me to be a jack of all trades fitness wise. And that, and maybe that was just because like in sports and stuff, that was kind of my position was to be positionless and to navigate all physical uh, demands of any sport that I was doing. So uh, looking at fitness, it kind of just related. And I just liked being able to do everything and maybe not be the best at it, but that's would be kind of like the goal, knowing that you're not going to be the best, but like, knowing that you're going to be in the upper part of the best at almost any category. Um, and so just kind of like looking back on, on like being interested in fitness, being interested in coaching, um, looking at my athletic career, just got cut from injuries. And so that kind of like shifted my mindset into sports medicine. And so my first kind of career was an athletic trainer um, and so I was responsible for sports medicine, rehab, um, and exercises to get people back on the field. Um, that took me into professional sports. And so I ended up, um, actually becoming, uh, an assistant athletic trainer for the Boston Red Sox in 2013. And I was specifically assigned to, um, what doesn't exist anymore. They had a short season in their affiliate program. Okay. So we we were basically mentoring slash um, a part of the developmental draftees and then people kind of coming out of rookie ball, which were mostly Dominican guys or from Haiti um, and some guys from Mexico. But uh, that opened my eyes up to kind of like what the career could be as an athletic trainer and strength coach um, inside the professional realm. And that and that was also the same time that I got introduced to CrossFit. And so about what year was that then? So it was 2013 when you were with coaching, uh, with the Red Sox. Yep. What, about what year was this now? Yeah. So same, same year. So I, so I okay. CrossFit, uh, in, uh, February of 2013 and I started my job, uh, with the Red Sox. I officially started it in May cause I was in graduate school at the time. Um, and so I had to finish my first semester of graduate school before actually attending my assignment in Florida. Uh, and so I kind of was like in a, in a space where I was like, I was really inspired by CrossFit and I saw this like opportunity to utilize what I'd already kind of grasped through college, um, in, in athletic training. And then I got like the professional sports experience where it was like, okay, this is a path as well. And it's at what would be probably considered the top tier, uh, experience as a profession. Sure. Uh, and, and I don't mean, I loved my job at the Red Sox. I, it was a great opportunity. The people I met, um, the experiences that I had as a professional in that space, I wasn't really inspired. 
Um, and so uh, I was like, oh, okay, well, I don't really want to work with professional athletes um, as much as I want to work with the general person. Um, and mostly it has to do with developing the person's mindset all around. And so a, a general person isn't going to have uh, that initial athletic experience as in depth as a professional athlete. And so you're going to have a lot more layers to that person um, just in general, but they're also coming to you with deeper aspirations that have more like longevity based goals. Yeah. Cause um, if, if they show up in your, in your gym, I imagine they're not, most people probably aren't showing up to get into uh into condition to, to jump into professional athletics. Right. No, I imagine it's a lot of, there's probably parents, there's probably some teens that, or some young guys that do college sports maybe, but it's probably generally speaking, you know, to your point, uh, just a lot of people who want to be able to go to the zoo and carry their kids, you know, up the stairs or, or push the stroller around or pull the wagon with them. Um, or go to, you know, the, the fair and the farmer's market and, and whatever, and just not get winded. Right. I, I see, I see stuff like that all the time. That's just as an observation. Um, and I think, you know, back, if I rewind back to like my introduction into working out, like I did a little bit of strength conditioning stuff in high school, along with some sports, didn't really do much after that as far as working out. But when I got on my first deployment and that's why I asked you about what year this was, when CrossFit really started taking off for you, because for me, it was in 2012. Oh, okay. Uh, and I was overseas, and I had been working out and stuff leading up to that. But I'm like, man, I'm going out, going out on these convoys. Uh, you know, you know, there's possibility that the vehicle might be like roll over or something happens. You need to drag a bunch of chains and tools to recover somebody, or maybe you have to like worst case scenario, like you actually have to drag somebody out of a vehicle or something like that. So I'm like the bench press, the push-ups, the sit-ups, you know, squats or cable flies. I'm like, those are all cool, but it's really not well-rounded. So that's why I wanted to touch on that. Now, if I were the average guy walking into your gym and I, I say, let's have my, my reservations about working out. I just want to be healthier. Um, what's a pitch that you give to them? Well, anybody that walks into the gym goes through the same process. And so that, that would include, uh, I've had, I've had Olympic athletes. Uh, I wouldn't say, okay. I've had an Olympic athlete, Olympic grade athlete walk into the door. They went through the same process as like the soccer mom or the grandma. Sure. Uh, it may differ by degree of that experience. And that experience includes, one-on-one uh, -on -one training prior to them entering uh, our membership classes. And so uh, that's a concept that's been kind of a part of my coaching experience since the beginning. Um, I take it a little bit further than I did when I was just a coach um, just because I can um, and I want to. And so what that, what that means is that initially, you know, they get eight personal training sessions with me outside of class times and we schedule those twice a week. And those are going to be like layered developmental stages to kind of get them ready for like a class experience. But more importantly, it's just going to introduce me to what they're capable of and what they're not capable of. Sure. To 
introduce them to the movement patterns and get them into the mindset of what class is going to be like. Um, it's shocking no matter how much experience you have. Uh, your first CrossFit class uh, <laughs> is going to kick your butt. Uh, <laughs> it's supposed to. And uh, my job uh, and my coach's job is to make sure that 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 uh, type of butt kicking is responsible, as ironic as that sounds. So yeah. we, we want you to be tested. We want you to test yourself. Uh, but we also don't want you to get hurt or uh, we're going to put you in the best position to come back tomorrow. Um, and that's kind of the goal. It's like the first month they go twice a week with me. I've extended that um, extensively with people depending upon kind of where they're at physically. I'm also looking at them mentally too. So if I think that uh, they are going to get overwhelmed by the group experience, I'll keep them in that one-on-one setting um, for as long as I can. And that's a discussion that I have with them. And sometimes it's not even a discussion. Sometimes I'm like, all right, we're going to keep these one-on-ones going. Uh, so let's keep the same schedule and keep coming back. And most of the time, those people are okay with that. Yeah. Um, kind of a give me for that. That's kind of like, because I don't, I don't charge them extra for that. Uh, it's just, you kind of roll into your membership, um, after your eight initial one-on-ones in terms of like that Olympic athlete that I had come through, you know, he did two. And then I was like, all right, I know what I'm dealing with. I just wanted to make sure. Uh, he was coachable and that he was not out of too much shape. Because part of that, those eight sessions is like reconditioning people a little bit. Um, and once I figured out that he was, he was okay and he was going to be coachable and we we're going to, we we're going to have a good time. Uh, I, I cut him loose in the class. Um, but in terms of that, that sales pitch, I mean, that it's, it's centered around telling them that like, this is not a free for all, you know, we're going to be there to help you. And the point of all of this is to help you understand how to move better and keep yourself safe uh, through your fitness journey. You know, it's kind of like that classic saying, you know, uh, teaching a man to fish instead of teaching him to, or, or instead of just catching a fish for him. And so yeah, yeah. like teach them how to help themselves. Um, and a lot of my job relates around, you know, telling them like, hey, like this is going to get bad if you choose that weight or if you don't modify this, like I think you'll have a better experience here. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people don't understand how movement combinations um, build up and become sort of lethal in a sense in terms of a workout experience. And every workout has an intention, kind of what you were saying earlier about programming and stuff. It's like, most people see CrossFit as chaos and there's a lot more depth behind most programs. I wouldn't say all programs because there's always going to be one percenters on both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like intent of a workout, I mean, there's a, a certain amount of reps I want you to get. There's a certain uh, amount of time I want you to work out without resting. And so we got to find those modifications given the task that's on the board that's going to benefit them. And, and our programming is written for the tip of the spear. And that's the way I kind of see it. It's like, I want people to be pulled up. And so I'm going to write workouts that 
are going to challenge the top tier. And then my job as a coach is to filter that through whoever shows up for class that day. Um, and, and that's the most challenging part is, and that's part of like personal relationships and your experience with that person. Um, and luckily enough, and maybe unluckily enough, you know, I spend most of my time coaching throughout the day. So I get a lot of experience with people and I understand kind of where they're at. And if I haven't seen them in a while, they're getting the shorter side of the workout, you know, cause I don't want them to get, uh, injured or, yeah. You know, if it's a 12 minute workout and they only move for one minute, that was not the intention of that workout. And they didn't get what I wanted them to get out of that. And and it's all related towards longevity. And it's, and it's based upon what I have for that person from the last workout that I saw them, you know, just the, the building process. And, and, you know, at some point an athlete is going to come to me and then, and this has happened a lot where they're going to be like, Hey, you know, I want to try this and I'm either going to tell them, okay, let's give it a shot. Or I'm going to be like, Hey, we haven't even met a, B and C yet. D is not the option today. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's part of, that's just part of my experience and kind of what I want to give to people. There are other gyms that, you know, have a more open floor, which isn't bad either. Like I, I don't, I've got nothing against that. I just want people to be uh, safe and I want people to have the best experience possible uh, through CrossFit, you know, biasly, but I mean, you can do it through anything. You know, I see people doing community style things in a powerlifting gym. That's great, right? It's keeping people moving, keeping people strong. Um, it's just like my personal, uh, my personal biased opinion is like, I want to give people CrossFit. So, yeah. And in terms of, uh, you know, being well rounded, I would, I would say that's CrossFit programming. Um, is, is probably the best programming to, to become well-rounded and then work on those weaknesses um, like you talked about earlier. There's one other thing you kind of alluded to earlier, uh, and it was, it was about mental health. So personally, um, you know, I, I do enjoy – I enjoy lifting heavyweights. I enjoy lifting lightweights. I enjoy high reps, low reps, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, leaving the gym covered in sweat with a crazy pump, like that's awesome. I enjoy it. However, one of the main reasons I work out is, is around, you know, mental health. So what I encourage people to do people, especially, you know, they're dwelling on whatever situation they have going on, or maybe they're stressed out or whatever. I encourage them to go work out. I invite people to come over to my house and work out, um, you know, I also want to help people better themselves just in a little bit different capacity. But from, from your experience as being a gym owner and a coach, you know, when, when someone comes in, let's say they go through their first uh, half of their sessions, right? Do you see confidence building up as you get to session number six, seven, eight, and then as the programming gets more difficult? I mean, what, what's your take on on mental health and, and people's, uh, overall outlook, the more they progress. Yeah. Uh, it, it depends on kind of like the person. I mean, I jokingly, people talk about how, uh, therapeutic my job kind of is in terms of like, you know, I am a semi therapist. I mean, coaching kind of has that aspect to it, no matter 
kind of like what you're coaching. It, it's going to be therapeutic. You're going to be guiding people through an experience and trying to uh, answer their questions along the way. And I would say that CrossFit itself is one of the biggest things that Greg Glassman said was that the, the, the most gain you're going to have, this isn't word for word, but the most gain that you're going to have is in between. That's the, that's the, that's where you're going to build your most strength and becoming resilient because you're doing hard things. I mean, that CrossFit is hard and that's what deters most people. And it was what people, it was what keeps people in. Um, and, and especially like what you're talking about is like the dopamine rush, uh, of an experience physically is addicting to some capacity and it, and it does provide a lot of, um, positive benefits. I would also say that CrossFit in my mindset or in my experience has had the opposite effect on people where they feel lesser because they're getting beat up by a workout. And it's like, at that point, I'm trying to help them understand what just happened. Like we all got beat up. That was kind of the point. The point was to challenge ourselves, to break ourselves down to a certain capacity to then build ourselves back up. And I have to, I have to go both sides. You know, like I see that when I see that confidence building, that's how I know that they're, they're understanding what, what it's going to do for them. And then on the other side, uh, I had a member, uh, go through the experience. He's at this time, he was 50 years old when I met him, lost a whole bunch of weight prior to meeting me, uh, via diet and just life. And he's looking for that next step. And so that was going to be physical fitness. Never done it. He's a motorhead. He also, <laughs> in his lifestyle, he, he grew up in the 80s. You know, there's a lot of weed in his life. And so challenging himself physically was not a part of his mindset. And so when I started pushing him, which for most people probably wouldn't seem like that much, but he was feeling uh, very, very stressed. And so one workout specifically, we had to have a come to Jesus moment where he's doing a team workout and his partner is going at a pace that isn't allowing him to recover as quickly as he would like to. In a partner workout, you're kind of at the mercy of your team. And so you're, he's getting rest while his partner works, but he's taking longer. So his rounds are recovering his partner better. Sure. He's, he's finishing up a round and he's, he looked at me in the eyes with like fear of God in him. And he was like, I'm going to die. <laughs> I said, Brian, you just talked to me in a full sentence. You're not going to die. And, and it's, it's that mindset perception of like what is stressful that uh, CrossFit or anything physically demanding is going to test you. And your tolerance for that stuff is going to depend a lot upon what you've already experienced. So like, on the other side of it, I've been doing CrossFit for 10 years. Do I have the same tolerance for those physically demanding things as I did five years ago? I would say no. And so if you put me back in that space, like I'm going to feel a little overwhelmed. Whereas if I were to manage my fitness better over the last five years, I would be able to handle that a little bit better. And I have to kind of like help people balance that stuff sometimes. And a lot of it right now has to do with, you know, we're coming into our seventh year. And so people that had started with me maybe started at 43. Well, now they're getting into their 50s. And so maybe the PRs aren't coming as fast. Maybe they are somewhat regressing. Uh, it Does that mean that they're a bad person? Like that's kind of what 
what it what <laughs> found and I have to be like, dude, like how many people do you know that can do the things that you can do right now? Exactly. And that's, I, and like, I couldn't agree with that statement more than, more than anything else. Cause often I wonder while I'm, while I'm doing a workout and as you, as you know, you, you've been to my house. So I work out a lot at my house and my schedule. Uh, I get it in where I can, but sometimes I've had that self doubt and maybe a lot of my friends don't, don't think I do. I never really asked anybody, but then I think to myself, like, all right, in the grand scheme of things, how many other people are out in their garage, you know, doing jump rope and hang cleans and pull-ups or whatever, probably not many. And I don't mean that in like a, a prideful or like cocky way, but you know, when you get into that self-doubt moment, you just got to stop and look around, you know, and, and evaluate what's going on and realize, okay, I'm doing this so I can be better. So I can be better for my family. So I can be better for my friends. Um, you know, you, you alluded to it earlier talking about people looking at the CrossFit games and thinking about how chaotic it is. And, you know, to me, what's, what's the K I would, this would be a question I'd propose to somebody like, what's the chaos that you want to have? Do you, do you want to volunteer for this chaos and then go push yourself and work yourself physically and mentally through whatever it is that you're signing up to do voluntarily on your own time? Or do you want the chaos of not being able to carry the clothes basket up and down the stairs a few times without getting completely winded or again, being able to run around with your kids, play catch, you know, Lord forbid there's a fire in your house, you know, and you got to drag out the dog and, and things like that. Like you want to be prepared to do those kind of things. That's more not being able to do those kind of things. In my opinion would be way more crippling mentally uh, knowing like if something happened, I'm not going to be able to perform that, that weighs on my mind what, and not being able to, you know, deadlift this amount or run this many laps in this quick a time. But, uh, yeah, I, I think you're on point with that for sure. Yeah. I, well, I think for the most part, like this could go on like all levels or all layers of society now, but like, I've had conversations with LEOs, firefighters, and general people. And my conclusion is that we don't have enough stress in terms of physical necessities right now that inspire the majority to do those things. And I, I, I find out a word. So the, the analogy I made to one of my buddies in college that well, he's he's a roommate and teammate of mine in college, and now he's a uh, he's a sheriff um, in Iowa, and we were having a conversation about physical fitness and stuff. And I was like, dude, how often did we practice football? And then how many times did we have a game? And so, like, the preparation for the game was, you know, we'd have five practices to one game. And it was probably more than that because if you consider like two days, sure, or, uh, or even the off season, it's like 
we're preparing for 10 games, maybe 13 if we're lucky. And so it's like, you got, I was, I was proposing to him. I'm not a, I'm not an officer in Iowa. I don't have that experience. What I was trying to propose to him was like, you are looking at your career. And in that time, when those one or two moments, maybe more, but hopefully it's just one or two moments come up, you're ready for them, whatever that means. And it's kind of like the opposite perspective right now. It's like, well, I don't run into these things often, so I don't need to even worry about them. And I find that that is just a general statement. I, I get that a lot, like in the gym, you know, and I think about it a lot. I mean, we're doing weird stuff. We're cleaning barbells up to our shoulders. We're learning how to snatch a barbell. We're putting barbells over our head. We're doing overhead walking lunges. We're doing muscle ups. Like how does this stuff relate uh, to that general lifestyle? And for me, I'm looking at it like, well, if you can do these things inside the gym, it makes all things outside of the gym like just a cakewalk, you know? And so it's like you can, how many people do you know can snatch a barbell or put a barbell over their head, jump, land in a squat with a barbell over their head. And if you can do that, I, I guarantee a lot of other things physically are going to be pretty easy for you moving forward. Um, and I hope via this fitness movement, we could call it CrossFit, we call it whatever we want. Sure. Kind of like gets people uh, in the general sense to just move more and be inspired to be physically able um, throughout their lifespan. And I think that's another concept that gets removed because uh, as you're probably well aware, most people stop physically uh, challenging themselves after high school. And so luckily, you know, a small percentage would play college sports or do something outside of high school. But we kind of like have this societal perspective where at the age of 18, you know, if we don't go to college, then we're just kind of done working out. And it's kind of like, in terms of a mental health perspective, if you can't do something physically, like you're going to regress mentally. Yeah. I, I think that's just a huge part of it. And I, I, I still have that. Like I have, I have layers of that. I, I can't do stuff as well as I could uh, when I first started CrossFit um, via just, I've had a couple of knee injuries in football. And so it, you have to kind of like accept the things that you can't control but it's like, am I maximizing the things I can control, my time, my effort, with the things that I can do? And those are the honest questions that I have to have my members kind of ask themselves when they when they come to me with like, hey, like I've been doing this a while. I think I should be here. And I'm like, hey, I, you know, there's no reason why you shouldn't be thinking that. But how much time have you actually spent doing the things that would essentially – leads you to that success and if the honest answer is like i haven't been spending the time that i need to then i mean we can't be mad about that like it's just we have to be honest um yeah. and that and that's that, that's just part of the journey man I, you know people get depressed and stuff when they can't move or they get overweight or they get unhealthy and it's like this is probably one of the most controllable situations uh that you can have but it's going to be hard and I think that's where most of this kind of lies is our society, not to like sound, I don't know, hopefully this doesn't sound political, but it's just kind of like our society as general is built around comfort, you know? And I'm not saying I don't like to be comfortable. I love being comfortable. 
<laughs> you know, and yeah, paint, painting with a broad brush. I would, I would say you're spot on. I think uh, there's probably not, you, you always hear about the bad stuff, right? You hear about bad stuff way more than you hear about good stuff, um, which is kind of inspiring with the podcast. Like I get to talk to people and talk about some good stuff, but also keep it very real and be realistic here. You don't always hear about the good stuff, but anyways, where I'm going with this is like, you know, when, when you say there's, there's not enough people doing hard things. I, I think that's a matter of fact. I per and, and people that volunteer to do hard things, uh, you know, it, when you subject yourself to that, you're only making yourself better. And, you know, there, there, there's another piece here I want to talk about, uh, and that's relationships, right? So for me, like I know I have to invest in myself before I can start, you know, helping others, like building relationships and, and things like that. Because if I can't run around with my kids, I couldn't imagine not being able to run around with my kids because I'm, I'm not pick, pursuing to push myself, you know, during my own time or, or however you want to take that as. But uh, in terms of like relationships and, you know, family, obviously you said your dad, he's been in the space for a long time and that, you know, influenced you. What do your, uh, what are your kids? What do your wife, what do they think about it? Well, uh, well, I met my wife at the gym, so. Oh, <laughs> there you go. I, uh, but our kids are very active. Uh, they're in sports. Um she has been a role model for them on staying active um, and bringing them to class. Um, you know, I, I mean, most of my members started as family. I mean, I think that's part of the goal is to reach the people that are closest to you first and then inspire those kind of lessons outside of that. Um, you know, I do have family members that are, that are not as physically uh, able Um and I wish I could connect with them um, and try to get them into the space. Um, but in terms of like what you're talking about, I think that is a concept that is ass backwards, not to cuss here. Uh, oh, feel free to. <laughs> where, you know, a lot of parents uh, sacrifice uh, everything in their life for their kids, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but, uh, you cannot like you literally what you say is you literally cannot take care of others if you're not taking care of yourself, because if you're not around, uh, via like you die because of metabolic disease or you become incapacitated because, uh, you get a pulmonary embolism via blood clot in your leg. Cause you're not moving around enough. I mean, you're not going to be able to, to fulfill, the needs of your uh, essential part in a family. And uh, that even as a parent, I mean, I, I don't really know that until I actually became a parent, uh, how difficult that is because you do have a lot of guilt um, with the time that you have. Yes. There's a limited amount of time. And so uh, you kind of like, that's your excuse is the guilt. And you're like, well, if I go work out for an hour, then I'm going to lose an hour with my kids. 
And it's kind of like you lose an hour with your kids today may save a year, you know, in the future. Yeah. It's really hard. That's really hard to understand. You know what I mean? That's it's, really people have to look at it like an investment, you know, some, some investments go really well and, and some don't pan out, but you know, you got to take that spare time and invest it into yourself, you know, your health and health, your fitness, your mental health, you know, that way, uh, that way you got more time on the back end. Right. So yeah, just signing up for that short time, that short stressor, you know, it, it does it resilient and uh generally speaking you know pays dividends in the future yeah i just think that you can't um you can't predict what is going to happen but i think that i would rather know i did what i could to prevent uh such health issues as like cancer um i would rather know that i did what i could to prevent it rather than look back and be like shit i should have spent you know, more time, you know, eating better, or I should have taken a one hour a day just to make myself more physically able and healthy. You know, I, I, I would just rather to cross that box off than to, to be kind of left in a sense of like doubt of how I live my life. And it, I think one of the biggest concepts that I had to learn along the way was that, especially as like a collegiate student, whereas like, you're learning about health and you're thinking you're going to save people's lives and you're going to extend their life for a million years. And it's not necessarily about extending someone's years of life, but just extending the quality of their life. Yes. And, uh, I, I, at least that, I mean, the generation of grandparents that I grew up with, they just kind of like go to the nursing home and then they're just kind of like waiting or I have like people around me that are just kind of like watching TV all day as they, as they age. And it's kind of like everyone's just sitting around waiting and I would much rather die on my feet doing something than live an extra 20 years just by being more sedentary and being safe or on medication or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I, I agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. 110 percent and and in terms of uh relationships i know talked a little bit already about close family um talked about you know the members of your uh of your gym and kind of your crossfit family uh which really wants me to bring up this last topic talking about reinvesting because in, in the way i look at these four different r's of mine you know if if you're reading you're improving yourself if you're running, AKA working out, you're working on yourself, right? So that's kind of like the inner circle. Then you start broadening it out, right? So that's where the relationships come into play. You know, are you there for your friends? Are you there for your family? Are you there for a stranger that, that just needs something, right? Are you physically and mentally able to help them out, right? And then that very outer circle is reinvesting. And that's reinvesting for me into the community, those around you, right? It's, it's casting a big net so you can help even more people. Now you've got something special going on uh, with, with CrossFit. And I, I want you to pitch it. I don't know enough about it to really pitch it, but obviously you're the subject matter expert. So 
tell us a little bit about the event you have coming up at the end of the year. Yeah, man. Uh, we uh, have an, oh, I co-founded a, a nonprofit with a family at the gym uh, called uh, the CF for Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, um, which is just something that we put together um, to promote awareness and to hopefully find a cure for a disease called cystic fibrosis. Um, and this was all inspired by um, Rachel Jensen, who is uh, one of my partners in this. Uh, sure. She joined the gym uh, in 2017, like right when I opened up. It was probably like six months after I had opened up, uh, but she was pregnant with her son, Jason, and had recently found out that he was gonna be uh, fighting cystic fibrosis. And for what we know is he'll be fighting that for the rest of his life um, unless we can, you know, fund a cure um, uh, for these people. And in this area, uh, there is a, a higher number of cases just because we have a lot of resources in the Omaha area for this specific disease. Um, but it all started out with uh, us just coming together and, and supporting her and her family. And I had recently, oddly enough, recently done the exact event that we are doing now uh, at CrossFit Elkhorn. And at that time, I didn't even know what cystic fibrosis was. I went to this competition out of my own desire to compete. And I got hit with a bundle of emotions because this gym had a family with three boys that had cystic fibrosis and two cousins. And so uh, they had seen the worst of the worst in terms of what this disease uh, kind of does to people and their families. And uh, it was it was overwhelming for me, and I, di I didn't understand kind of where that was going to lead me. Um, but it gave me kind of like that initial kind of start to be like, I kind of know what uh, we can do. And so I reached out to Elkhorn uh, about the event, and I was going to try to team up with them. Um, but they had stopped doing, um, the CF for CF. And so we kind of picked it up. We just picked up that torch. Um, it started out by just doing a CrossFit workout, um, in celebration of finding a cure and building awareness around the disease. And then, uh, in 2019 leading into the 2020 year, uh, we decided to make a nonprofit just so that, uh, we could start, our own direction in terms of what uh, or, or where we want money to go and how we want to do that. Um, originally, we would just raise money and we'd send it to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, which is uh, a great foundation. Um, one kind of side note about cystic fibrosis is it's 0% uh, funded by the government. And so oh, wow. everything that they do is privately funded. Um, and in that, you know, you kind of get, I would say most things private end up being a lot better anyways. Um, but, but that requires people to be engaged. And um, uh, so anyways, I just was like, I went to them and I was like, hey, you know, do you want to make this something a little bit more specific towards us? You know, we can still give the money back to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, which we do. Uh, we do 75% of all of our uh, fundraising goes to the foundation just because they have a better direction right now or at least resources to kind of 
direct where money can go and, and have a bigger influence. And so, uh, we adapted that and made it a competition. And so this is, this is the sixth actual year, but the third year that we've ran it as a team competition. Um, and it's a CrossFit style competition that we run annually. Uh, this year we're, we're bringing it back to West fair, uh, the, the County fairgrounds here in Park County. And this will be the second year that we are doing it out there. And we just, uh, we bring our entire gym basically, um, to the fairgrounds in one of their metal buildings. Um, and there's a multitude of events that are scored and we just try to make it, uh, a fun slash grueling, uh, fitness test that is centered around supporting, um, the research in finding a cure for cystic fibrosis. That's awesome. And that's, you know, one, one of the main reasons I even started doing the podcast with guests is to bring like people on and let them, you know, talk, speak their story and whatnot. But I, I really want other people to hear things like this, where, where you started out, right. You didn't know exactly where you were going or how you're going to get there in terms of where the business would take you. Right. So I can't imagine when you made the decision to open your own gym that it would eventually lead to starting a nonprofit. Right. Right. So, so like what you're doing is awesome. Like you're taking your platform, you're taking the, the tools that you have in your tool belt and making a difference. And that's, I mean, that's inspiring to me should be inspiring to a whole lot of other people um, this kind of anything's possible. You just have to, you have to try it and, and try not to go into a situation or, or whatever with this preconceived, you know, outcome, right? If I do this, I'm, I'm only going to get in a little bit better shape. Or if I, if I open a gym, uh, I'm going to coach some people. And, it, and in your case, that's true, but you're also making a, a positive impact in the community and, and helping people out. And that's super inspiring. The, uh, the CF for CF event, uh, when is it? Yeah. So it's October 14th. That's a Saturday, um, at West fair. And we open the doors at 8am and I haven't, I don't have a specific timeline on it, but last year, uh, cause it, it kind of depends on how many teams sign up. And then, the that will kind of dictate the workout structures just on a timeline basis. But uh, we went, we opened doors at eight and we were out of there by, by three. Um, and so we try to make it uh, not your whole Saturday, even though uh, we appreciate people's time. Uh, we, we don't want to, I've been to, I've been to a lot of CrossFit events and even though we love to work out, uh, we also want to have a little bit of time to ourselves afterwards. So sure. Uh, uh, it's just a one day thing. And right now it's, it's just centered around a CrossFit style, uh, fitness event. Hopefully in the future it will expand, uh, into more dimensions, meaning like maybe, uh, like a, like a five K run walk, uh, type scenario. But, uh, we have three divisions that, that are, uh, available for people to choose from. And those standards are written on the, uh, on the tickets themselves. When you get, when you access the link, um, but the scale division is for anybody. Uh, there is an option on there. It's like at least one of your partner has to do pull-ups 
or at least a pull up. Um, but that doesn't mean that that should deter anybody from signing up for the scale division. And then after that, like the intermediate division is more of like your everyday CrossFitter uh, that comes to class, you know, three to five times a week. And then the RX uh, standards are centered around the more competitive person um, that probably works out maybe a couple of times a day, a couple times a week um, or more, so, you know, some sure. people get with their fitness, but <laughs> I, I like that RX division to express a little bit more than most uh, competitions in the local area. Um, but so we'll, we'll probably have like a lot more people and we usually do in the intermediate and the, uh, the scale division. So well, yeah. It, man. Yeah, man. And that sounds exciting. I know, uh, you and I have been direct messaging um, off and on about that event. It's definitely something that I, uh, I want to attend and give it a try um, on the lookout for a partner, you know, and it's not just male, male, female, female, but you're doing co-ed teams, right? Yeah, so we've done it in the past where like the first year we did teams, we did same, same gender. And then uh, the second year we did co-ed just to mix it up. And then this year, we're just going to say uh, you can have any partner that you want. Um, part of that is is trying to make it easier for people to find partners. Um, and then it just provides challenges on the programmer uh, to make sure that you know the men and women are tested uh, as equally as possible. Because more than likely, you know the men usually end up on top if you have a male-male team. Um, but there are certain standards that we can do, you know, the, the women's weight is usually around 70% of the men's weight, depending upon the division. Sure. Uh, it, it's just, uh, like in a strength event per se, you would do a, a different calculation for the female weight just to kind of create equality across the board. Um, but that's all going to depend on how many pe people sign up and kind of what our style of teams are, uh, throughout and hopefully, Hopefully this will be our biggest year yet. Last year we had 35 teams, so I'm hoping for uh, 40 this year. But we'll kind of see. I'll play by ear. If there's less teams, there's less teams. There's more teams, more teams. Uh, it's just all about um, giving back to those athletes that want to sign up because that's kind of my main goal is you're giving, you're giving to us, and I want to make sure that uh, we give as much back to those athletes as, as possible. But it, it's open to the public too. It's not – limited to just athletes if people want to come out and uh and check it out and hang out um you totally can so uh, we encourage everyone to get out there that's why we kind of brought it to west fair um is to make it um an even bigger experience um we used to run it out of our gym which is fine um but uh west fair just makes it that much more exciting well i know i look forward to it uh and, and i'm gonna try to get out there and i'll play my part and to try to get you to that 40 team count. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell some people about it as well. I, I think it's an exciting opportunity and it's obviously for a good cause. Um, where can people find information about it? Yeah. So for right now, uh, we could add a link, um, to wherever you're going to send this to the, uh, uh, the Facebook event. Um, uh, but I can also send a link to directly to where the tickets are. Um, and that's going to be on a application called Wattify arena. And so I can just send that link to you if you want. Yeah, we'll we'll link it up in the show notes. Uh, you know, and again, I'll I'll link uh, CrossFit Council Bluffs as well. Where 
where all is CrossFit Council Bluffs in terms of social media? Yeah, so, uh, well, you can find us on CrossFit Council Bluffs. You just go, you just search that uh, right on Facebook. Instagram account is CrossFit Council Bluffs, um, and then uh, our website is CrossFitCouncilBluffs.com. Awesome, man. Well, Drew, I super appreciate you doing the podcast and your patience as we work through uh, a few technical difficulties on the front end. But, um, man, and again, thank, just thanks for doing this. Uh, I think what, what you're doing and what you have going on in terms of, you know, giving back to the community is awesome. And I, I hope it's motivation for other people to go out and do the same. Uh, do you have any, no, man, that was great. I appreciate you having me on the podcast and, uh, letting me speak about what, what I got going on. We're kind of a, uh, we're that mom and pop gym that has organically grown. So, uh, it's always good to kind of, uh, get out to, uh, other people that might not be in our inner circle, um, just to kind of show kind of what we do and, uh, which is always intimidating. It, anything with the word CrossFit is always intimidating to people. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, hopefully this will encourage whether they're in council plus or not just to go into a, uh, what we call a box or a gym, um, and give it a shot and see what it's all about. And, uh, hopefully just become fitter, healthier, happier people. And that's, what's up. It's all about, you know, bringing awareness that that's what's up. And, uh, yeah, man, that, that's all I got. Um, again, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for doing the podcast. Right on. Thanks, Kevin. All right. Sounds good, man. I'm out. Later. So.